Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of the Pull Up and Chat podcast. I'm Victor. Juan over here. What's going on? Going on, brother. New week, new episode. Lots to talk about. How's it going? Oh, you know, I'm trying to survive this uh, heat wave while <laughs> wearing a mask. Uh, yeah. Outside, it, it is so uncomfortable, man. We're in July, and it's, it's extremely hot here in New York. Absolutely. So we're trying to survive. Absolutely. But make no mistake. Everybody, wear a mask. If we want to get through all of this, let's keep wearing our mask and we can be done with this the sooner the better. Absolutely. Uh, definitely. So today's episode is going to be an interesting one. Um, I, I think we should call it the Patriot Chronicles. Um, <laughs> Patriot Cheating 10.0. Oh, my Lord. Oh, 3.0 or something. So this is going to be interesting talking <laughs> to a Patriots fan. But, let's, but here we go. So in the la- in the last week, we obviously heard that the Patriots made a a big splash, you know, in signing Cam Newton, former MVP Cam Newton, to be the new quarterback, um, re- replacing Tom Brady. I mean, going from having one MVP to another MVP is definitely a big thing. But right as that news dropped, we also got news of them getting hit with another penalty by the NFL. Um, this this one stems from the, them recording the Cincinnati Bengals back in December, and they were hit with a penalty of $1.1 million, and they also dra- um, lost a draft pick. So this is obviously not the first time the, the Patriots have been uh, hit by the NFL. And so speaking to a big uh, Patriots fan, um, and there's yeah. been a numerous uh, – times of of them being hit with one way or another i just want to ask in all seriousness as a fan do you feel that their dynasty run over the last 20 years in any way shape or form is being tainted or will be tainted um in history by yet another scandal or another penalty however you want to call it before i answer the question i was flashing uh my uh very messed up patriots hat um, you know, as you can see on the side over here, right. Super Bowl 51 gotcha. uh, champions when, yeah. you know, we came back 28-3 against the Falcons and, and you, you know, and we won the Super Bowl without cheating, by the way. Yeah. Um, does the dynasty get tainted by at any level? I'm going to say no. And okay. before, you know, I know a lot of people might be like, you know, oh, he's a Patriots fan. So, of course, he doesn't think it's tainted. Mm-hmm. Um Tom Brady is regarded as the greatest quarterback of all time by right. a large group of people. He's regarded as the greatest quarterback. And then Bill Belichick is regarded as the greatest coach mm-hmm. by, again, a large group. I, I would say, I don't know, I'm throwing a number out, so this isn't an exact number. But 85 90% of, of, of football fans have that belief that they're the, the greatest duo in NFL history. Right. So... My whole thing is going back now, going back to when it all started, right? It all mm-hmm. started back when you're talking talk, tuck rule um, yes. uh, against, against the Raiders, yeah. um, Spygate uh, 0.1, if you want to call it, <laughs> um, against the Rams, uh, right. the, the, the quote-unquote uh, beginning of Spygate. 2007, right. um, Spygate 1.0 against the Jets. Right. And, you know, Deflategate, which was back in 2014 with Tom Brady and the deflated footballs. And then, you know, now we have this incident now. People are calling it Spygate 2.0, where, as you mentioned, uh, uh, some of the the, the crew members from the the television production were caught against uh, 
might I add, the two and twelve uh, Cincinnati Bengals, um, they were caught recording something um, that they weren't supposed to be recording. Right. So my whole belief is we really have to go back and and really look at each situation and actually look at the facts of everything that was going on. And I'm going to be as brief as I possibly can with, 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 um, with these takes. Um, and one of, the, one of the first ones I want to um, elaborate on is the tuck rule. Um, that's the beginning of what people call the beginning of the Patriot dynasty, the Patriots cheating or whatever. And as a young kid, I mean, it was 2000, 2001. I was eight years old. Yeah. I just started watching sports. You know, and I wasn't too informed about everything that was going on as an eight-year-old kid. You know, so it's not like I knew all the information. So I, I went back and actually looked at everything that, that happened. And I'm confused, you know, because you have analysts on, on, on various networks um, that go back to this and, and call this the beginning of the cheating scandals, the beginning of the cheating history of the Patriots. And I'm like, wait a minute. The rule was correctly applied. The Patriots weren't the ones who created this, this rule, this tuck rule. They weren't the ones who did it. And I, I, I go back to that very that, that same season in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a Jets and Patriots game. And that very same rule was called against the Patriots. So I go back and ask myself, where's all the anger there? Right. The rule was, again, as much as we all might hate it, and just I, I want to add on to this, the rule w- was kept by the NFL for an additional 10 years. So if this was such a horrible rule, then they should have gotten, ri- gotten rid of it right then and there. But they didn't. But my question then would be, as a Patriots fan, is, wait a minute, you're upset because you don't think, um, you think the NFL was trying to help the Patriots or... Um, it's a bogus rule. Well, guess what? The, the same rule was applied against the Patriots. Where's the anger there? The, the rule was correctly applied. Um, the NFL came up with that rule, and it wasn't the Patriots. I'm confused as to why a lot of people think that that was the beginning of the cheating dynasty of the Patriots. Well, the, if I can interject on that one real quick, as somebody who's not a, not a Patriots fan, but obviously not trying to be a Patriots hater, yeah. I, don't, I think anybody that classifies that as cheating is, I, I think I disagree. I think that to me was a, uh, I think it was a bad judgment call. I think I attribute the the tuck rule similar to what happened in, um, well, not similar because what happened with the with the Saints and the Vikings was like more or overt, where like that clearly was a, a passing pass interference call yes. that that cost the game. So I think, in my opinion, I think that was a fumble, but it's a judgment call. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily that they cheated. Because I think that was just, uh, you know, somebody's interpretation of the rule. And it could go either way. Because like you said, it was it was called on the field. There was not something that was reviewable. Um, or it was reviewed, obviously. but um, they Yeah, it was that. reviewed. And, and, and I'm sorry for interrupting. It was reviewed. And even after the game, NFL officials confirmed right. that it was the right call. So, again, right, right, right. whether or not people people can agree or disagree that, you know, uh, uh, the, whether the rule was correctly applied or whatever, that's that was the rule. Yeah, as the much rule. as the rule sucks, and it, and as a Patriots fan, I could tell you, if I'm looking at that play and and I didn't pay attention to, oh, wait, was there a tuck rule or not? It's a fumble. Right, as a absolutely. football fan, I look at that and it's a fumble. But they had a rule in place yeah, that they, according to the NFL and the NFL officials, 
even after the game, because we can say that it was a judgment call, but even after the game, mm-hmm. after reviewing the play, I, I might say a hundred thousand times, because we're talking about a playoff game here. Right. After reviewing the play a thousand six hundred times, they still said the rule was correctly applied. Again, the rule sucks. It was right. a freaking fumble. But right. they, I mean, it was there. And it wasn't yeah. the Patriots' fault that that rule was there. Yeah, was but I agree was, with you. I agree was, with yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with what you're saying. If, if we're going to be honest, um, it's not even about being a Patriots fan or not. If we're going to look at that play, and we're just, again, we're ignoring the rule because now it no longer exists. Right. But if we're going to believe that the rule didn't exist, that was a fumble. And right. the Raiders should have. If the rule wasn't there, the Raiders should have won that game. But right. unfortunately, that rule was there. Again, it was brought up earlier in that season against the Patriots. No complaints there from anyone. Right. The rule sucks. They got rid of it, even though it lasted another 10 years, bro. But they got rid of the rule. Right. Then we had Spygate. I won't elaborate too much on that. Everyone knows what's going on. What happened there? The Patriots, uh, according to so the NFL, they were caught um, um, spying on the Jets. Was, this was going back to 2007, week one, Patriots, Jets. This is back when Randy Moss was a part of the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the beginning of that season, they had added this rule where teams weren't allowed to, to spy from a, a specific area in the field. So obviously, right. I won't elaborate too much on that because I don't want to take too much time. But af- right after that, we had the Flake Gate. And the Flake Gate is the part where, um, you know, I felt like I was a little bit older, so I was able to understand more of what was going on. I was furious. I was furious for, for several reasons. Um, because if you look at the actual details of what was going on, this was something that I was fighting every single time, arguing with people. First of all, let's just, it's a hypothetical situation. Let's just say Tom Brady was guilty because they never concluded even with the Wells investigation, which they spent $2 million on. Yeah. Let's <laughs> believe, yeah, they spent $2 million on an investigation about deflated footballs. Yes, that's true. <laughs> they didn't conclude that Tom Brady was guilty. Right. But let's just say that he is. What is the fine for deflating footballs, according to the NFL policy? $25,000. Yeah. Tom Brady got suspended four games. Four games mm-hmm. without actually having proof. Might I add, Ted Wells wasn't someone that was hired by the Patriots or someone that was hired by the NFLPA. This is a person that was hired by the NFL to independently investigate the matter. And even he came out and said, wait a minute, you know, he's more probable than not, yada, yada. But he didn't conclude. He couldn't conclude that Tom Brady was guilty of anything. Even so, I also want to add this because I want to look at some details and I want to, I want to know what you think about this. The NFL identified a number of factors, temperature, rain that might have caused the footballs to lose that specific amount of of psis nine of the 12 footballs for the patriots were above the 10.92 yeah now i'm throwing that number out there because i want to look at a chart and i want to give you some details so i for the nfl is 12.5 According to the NFL, not the NFLPA, not the Patriots, according to the NFL, 
when there is rain and that kind of temperature that was involved in 2014 against the Colts, mm-hmm. that Patriots and Colts AFC championship game, it was expected that 1.58 was, uh, uh, when you're talking about the pressure being uh, um, um, released from the ball or being lost, 1.58 is what they were expecting, which then equals the 10.92. So the NFL was already expecting that that pressure, the pressure of the ball was going to be a little bit lower because of the temperature and because of the rain. When the reporting came out, um, I think it was Ron Jaworski, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, he came out and said 11 of the 12 footballs were, in, were deflated by the Patriots. This was the, the initial uh, reporting. The actual facts were, and ESPN even had to redact the story. If you go in the internet and you check, ESPN had to redact the story and ESPN had to apologize. You mean retract, for, retract the story. Retract, yeah, sorry. Retract the story for, for falsely, putting false information out there about what went on. Nine of the 12 footballs, so let's stick with this point. Nine of the 12 footballs were above the 10.92, which is what they expected would be lost because of the temperature and the rain. Not 12, not 11, as it was reported. Again, why that, hence why they apologize. Only three of the 12 Colts footballs were measured. You ask why. According to the NFL and the reporting that came out, they spent so much time checking the pressures on the, on, on, on the Patriots um, of footballs that, according to them, they didn't have enough time to measure all of the Colts footballs. Yeah. That's very important, and this is why. So out of the three, out of the four footballs they were able to measure, they were only able to get reading on three of them. The Colts footballs we're talking about here. On all three of the footballs, pressure was also lost. Equal, you, you can equate the amount when you're talking about the pressure that was lost on the Patriots footballs and the pressure that was lost on the, on the Colts football. No one's angry about the fact that they didn't have enough time, quote-unquote, to check the pressure for the Colts. So the average measurements, if we take any of the three footballs from the Patriots, three Patriots footballs, 11.85, that's, that's the PSI that they measured. That's a loss of 0.85. With an average of three uh, Colts footballs, obviously, like I said, only three out of the four they actually had measurements for. It was 12.27, a loss of 0.73. So the Patriots footballs, when you're averaging out three, because obviously you gotta, you got to do it fairly. You can't get an average of 11 footballs and an average of three footballs. You can do the math, right? For the yeah. Patriots, it was 0.85, and for the Colts, it was 0.73. There were many scientists out there that even brought out a report talking about that this wasn't because of, of, uh, of some mastermind plan to go out there and deflate footballs. Again, Ted Wells himself didn't have any facts as to why those footballs were lost, that it wasn't Tom Brady. When they went to, ju- uh, to Judge Berman here in New York, what ended up happening? Judge Berman ruled in favor of Tom Brady. Why? Because he said there was nothing in that investigation that can conclude that Tom Brady was the mastermind of, of trying to deflate footballs. Look, Why did I that? Think dis- that at the end of the day, you know, personally, the uh, flake gate was really a was kind of a I would say an accumulation of you know the Patriots being involved in something. And I think it was the opportunity for the NFL to. Come, come right after Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. because, you know, there were reports that he wasn't necessarily the most cooperative with the investigation. There was the report which, which, of which was also 
which was also false, by the way. Right, but there because was also gave, the, the I'm yeah. sorry, the destruction of the phone and all of that other stuff. So I think the flake gate is something a little bit more on the personal side. But my original question back to you is like, with the accumulation of all of these things, does it in any way, shape, or form, you know, I know that you said no, but even with the latest incident that happens now, does it, the fact that they, it keeps coming back to them and they keep being that team that gets penalized, does it in any way, shape, or form, like, you know, at least say like, man, it's consistently them that keep either crossing the line or coming dangerously close more often yeah. than anybody else in the NFL? Again, I go back to my original answer. I don't think it does um, because, okay, we can focus on, on Spygate Part 2 um, and everything that just unfolded. Again, we have to go back to the actual facts of what's going on. We can get lost in what's happening in, in the media and social media and then base an opinion on, on what's going on there. So since we're talking about um, the Spygate Part 2, we can even look at this. Offensive and defensive signals are not sent from sidelines anymore. Right. So the fact that people are saying, oh, they sent someone to go steal signs from the sideline of the sense of, might I add, the 2-12 and 12 Cincinnati Bengals. It's not, it, it's not possible because signs aren't, they're, they're no longer given from the sideline. They're given through radio, through the helmet of the quarterback and the defensive captain. So this idea that this scout was there stealing signs, what signs are you talking about? There were actual analysts going on on news outlets and talking about, wait, th th there's no possible way that signs could have been stolen because there's no longer signs in the NFL. Everything that needs to be communicated into the field is done through the helmet electronically. Right. So unless you're telling me that, I mean, I, I just don't find any possible way that stealing, stealing uh, um, these um, signs, they were going to find out what substitutions. They don't do any of that anymore in the NFL. Right. So, even when, with this situation here, it's just like um, they didn't say that Bill Belichick or, 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 or um, you know, that they, that they were um, responsible for anything that were going on. They punished the team, obviously, one, because of history. And this was a quote. I want you to hear this. This was a quote by a reporter. Even though it might seem severe and steep, we're talking about the punishment here yeah, that just right. happened that you mentioned earlier um, uh, very well. Even though it might seem severe and steep, the NFL needed to send a message. If there was no history, it goes away. So what they're telling me right there is, okay, fine. You just said if there was no history, this would go away. So wh what happened? Yeah. You're not telling us anything that happened here. And I go back to that, that first point that I made. There's, there's nothing to steal. There's no signs to steal. There's no defensive, offensive signs from the sideline to steal because everything is communicated electronically. So that's why I said what I said as far as I don't think it taints them. At the yeah. end of the day, if you, if, you, if you create a poll and you, I don't know, you ask uh, 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 the country if they think that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are the greatest duo or whatever, um, I'm still very confident that a high percentage, over 50% of the people that, that watch the sport will still believe that they're the greatest duo. Um, people are going to have their opinions, and that's something that's never going to change. Even, and this is the conversation you and I had, even when facts are presented, people won't change their minds on whether or not someone's a cheater, whether or not they're going to root for someone or whatever the case may be. I don't think this is going to change the way people feel. People 
that came into the situation believing they were cheaters are going to continue believing they're cheaters. And people who don't believe they're cheaters are going to continue believing that they aren't cheaters. Right. Yeah, I kind of like, you know, um, I, did, I agree with what you just said right now. This particular incident makes it a little harder, um, you know, to taint the dynasty because there has been no link between the people that were doing the recording and then yeah. the, the, food, uh, the football operations on this. And so while trying not to come across as a, a Patriots hater, the one thing I would say about this um, is uh, about them is this. I think that if nothing else, and maybe that's what makes them, you know, the dynasty that they are, I think overall they've come close to the line, if not crossed it a lot, which I think yeah. can't necessarily be disregarded. I also find it a little, um, I found it a little bit interesting that the news of Cam which you're going to discuss in a minute, came yeah. right as the, the penalty. So I think if nothing else, I think the culture there may be one of, you know, winning comes at every cost. So far, it hasn't, it hasn't burned them completely. Yeah, I think Spygate hit them a little bit, but I think at the end of the day, what you said is was very true that if you came into this thinking that they were cheaters, that's what you're going to think. If you're a fan... Or you simply just don't don't uh, assume them to be cheaters and just assume them to be great. I think your opinion is not going to change one way or the other. Hopefully, this is the last incident for them. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, they're one of the history teams of the NFL. They're obviously the greatest champions of the NFL in the 21st century. And so, if they have you know done everything legit, you at some point you want to stop hearing scandals about them and, and you know bending the rules. So hopefully, that's them. Okay, so moving on, we now um, talk to the happier side of the, of the <laughs> Patriots season, hopefully. And that's the, the thing we spoke about at the beginning, which is uh, them signing Cam to a one-year deal. The deal is um, mostly um, based on incentives. Um, it was kind of a minimum, you know, which some people had some feelings about. But it, what one thing it does do is that it, take, it takes them from being that team that was supposed to be rebuilding this year so now some have them right at the top all, all over again at the end and the AFC East. So, you know, as a Patriots fan, what does the signing of Cam mean to you? And do, um, where do you think that what's their ceiling going into this new season? Um, they're a playoff contender. They're a playoff contender. Prior to the Cam signing, I was one of the Patriots fans that said, you know what, we're in, in a rebuilding process. Um, I don't believe that Jared Stidham can lead them into the playoffs. I don't yeah. think you can just add any player. And, and believe that they can um, succeed. By the I way, think that, I, yeah. just, just as, a, as a little side, can you be a really good name with the last name Stidham? Because ever since I heard him, I'm like, this guy, man, this guy. That, I, I, <laughs> you know, I, I compile him, and listen, he made the NFL, so I'm not over here trying to hate, but he reminds me of Trevor Simeon from the Broncos. The, the minute oh, I saw him, yes, yes. I was like, this guy's not an NFL quarterback. <laughs> like, I know I'm totally being biased on names, but the name Stidham never, never convinced oh, me. So. Oh, and that coming from you, Mr. Victor Cruz. Uh. <laughs> hey, listen. Uh, my guy won a Super Bowl ring, so that name works. No, nah, you're right. You're right. So just <laughs> like for me, I, I, I wasn't a believer in Jar Stidham. I'm, no. I'm an honest fan. I like to believe that I'm an honest fan. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't believe that they were going to be competitive. I actually thought, you know what? The Bills are going to win this, this division. Um, and then... Obviously, you have the Jets who might improve. Who knows? But the Patriots would have been nah, eight and eight. Nah, the Jets are the Jets. I mean, well, that's on. true. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe eight and eight, seven and nine. Right. I don't know, nine, nine and seven, maybe. 
that's what I, I thought their ceiling was with Jared Stidham. Now with Cam Newton, I'm looking at them at 12 and 4, 11 and 5. Right. And I know that we have to take into effect into account that they have the hardest schedule this season. Right. But I think that if, and I, and I know that a lot of people are throwing the if, if. This is a big if. If Cam Newton is healthy yeah. and he can somehow um, be able to, to come into training camp, go into the NFL season healthy, I think that he's a, a, a more than capable enough quarterback to be able to lead the Patriots to 12-4, 11-5. and Why? Josh McDaniels. When you look at Josh McDaniels and his history with quarterbacks who can either pass, run the ball, who have, who have several options, he's good when it comes to that. And I still believe that Bill Belichick, with a, a, a former MVP, might I add, right. who led his team to the Super Bowl, can lead the Patriots to 12-4 and four or 11-5. and five. Um, So I'm, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I don't think they can beat the Ravens or the Chiefs. I don't think they're close to beating those teams. Right. But I think they're a playoff contender. Yeah, I, and I definitely believe it or not. I, I, I want to see Cam do good, which by extension means I have to, you know, hope that the Patriots do somewhat good because he's definitely somebody I've rooted for. And deserves this is an so weird. It really is weird. This is so weird. You know, right now that I'm even saying <laughs> this right now. But This um, is so weird. But, yeah, I think they, they definitely – I don't know if they're the favorite in the AFC East, but then again, it's the AFC East, not to be, you know, doubtful. Yeah, Miami's yeah. obviously on the way up, but you don't know, you know, Tua's probably the Bills. not going to The be, Bills. Yeah, but the Bills, like, I see them still – I see them as the middle-of-the-road team. I don't see them as somebody yeah. that necessarily – I think that they'll – you know, maybe win 10 games or something like that. And so that's that's feasible for, for Bill Belichick and, like you said, and Josh McDaniels. And Because one of the things that they did do, and not to, you know, sound like I'm hitting on Brady, but those last couple of years, Brady necessarily wasn't the Brady in his prime. And yet they were able to do enough around him to, you know, not expose him too much. And so I think, if, like you said, all of it depends on Cam being healthy going into the season. So if that's the case, I think that they're going to give him the space to kind of get back into rhythm. You know, they do – obviously, one of the Patriots' um, hallmarks of an offense are those short routes that are, like, basically impossible to defend. I think that's going to change. I mean, you can continue going. I think yeah, that's going to no, change. I, I think that in the beginning of the season, I think you're going to see a lot of that. At least yeah. until they, they're able to see that Cam can go deep. Obviously, they're going to need to surround them with a better receivers in order to be oh, able to absolutely. go deep. Absolutely. So I think that um, they're going to have that kind of West Coast-style offense and go yeah. with a lot of short passes. So if they have enough personnel... Um, then hopefully they'll do good and Cam can do good this season. So, But I agree with you. They definitely are not at the top of the AFC. So an AFC East championship or a title, whatever you want to call it, division title, is feasible. But beyond that, I don't see them going much further. Yeah, I think they're back up there um, as, I would say, co-favorites with the Bills. I'm, I'm, I think the Bills are a really good team. Defensively, they're a great team. Right. Offensively, they added a Stephon Diggs, who's a, you know, I would consider a, a, a very good wide receiver who they took away from the Vikings. So I just think that um, they're right up there with, with the Bills. And um, as you said, I think that they're going to find ways to, to, to create a different offense, an offense that's going to work for Camp Newton and also with the weapons that they have. Because as you mentioned, um, if they're planning on like trying to play the deep ball, they don't really have that deep threat unless right. Nikhil Harry somehow, you know, he, he, you know, he gets better or something and he mm-hmm. gets better at those deep balls. Julian Edelman has never been known for that. And I think that they're going to use the running backs to 
to create, right. um, be creative in, in their offense. And they're going to also use Cam in the running game again if he's healthy. But I right. think that they're uh, um, a playoff contender for sure. Absolutely. So, in our last you know, topic that's going to be Patriots-related, um, brings us to the to the thing that we, uh, as fans, I don't know if Patriots fans have been wanting to see for over a decade now, which is the the battle of the masters, the, the, the <laughs> right to claim, um, you know, who was responsible, who was the, the genius, the mastermind um, for the dynasty run of the Patriots. And that's now with Tom Brady going down to Tampa Bay and being the quarterbacks of the Bucks. Um, you know, we're going to see a new quarterback for the Patriots for the first time in about 20 years. Yeah. And so my lifetime. Right. And so <laughs> definitely, you know, obviously there are a lot of factors from the, the things that we spoke about with Cam and health to Tom Brady and age and his health. But at the end of the day, as a Patriots fan, who do you think has the better season? Bill oh, Belichick, yeah. the Patriots or Tom Brady and the Bucks? Oh, I, I've been outspoken about this. Even with the addition of Cam Newton, I just said they're playoff contenders. Not Super Bowl contenders. There's a difference. They're playoff contenders. But the Bucks, they're Super Bowl contenders. I, I absolutely believe when you have, when you add the greatest quarterback of all time, he's, to me he's the greatest quarterback of all time, to an offense that has Mike Evans, who's a top-tier, top-five, top-ten receiver in the league. When you have a Chris Godwin, who's a top 10 receiver based on the stats from last year in the league. When you have an O.J. Howard, when you have a Cameron Brait, when you add Rob Gronkowski, which I think that he might not be the old Rob Gronkowski, but he's going to be very, very productive for that team. Bruce Arians, who has shown to be able to work with Hall of Fame type quarterbacks like Tom Brady, obviously Big Ben and Peyton Manning. I think that he, that offense is going to be Absolutely dangerous. Their defense, and I, I didn't even mention the defense. Their defense is top five. Was top five last year in the NFL. You expect them with the defensive coordinator like Todd Bowles to get even better. Um, they're, they're Super Bowl contenders. So I absolutely believe that the page, that the Bucks, sorry, the Bucks, um, are Super Bowl contenders and will have the better record and go further in the playoffs. Well, I'm gonna be. A, I'm gonna go a little on the other side. I think that. I wouldn't be surprised if the – at least I would say this. I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots end up with a better regular season record, even if the Bucks somehow end up going a little bit further. Um, and the reason I say this is it's simple with what I said about the AFC East. Until now, I still personally don't have faith in any particular team in the AFC East. Yeah. And so um, – when you go up against the rest of the AFC East on, you know, twice a year, that's, that's been the, the, I would say, the heartbeat of the Patriots' run as far as getting into the playoffs and getting in as the number one seed is because they face that AFC East division that usually has one team that kind of stands out, but then that's about it. Yeah. So I think that their pathway to making it to the playoffs um, becomes a little easier um, than the Bucks, be simply because the Bucks have some teams that they got to compete with. Oh yeah, that division um, is you tough. Know, that division is tough, and that so division is tough. that that division is tough, and the NFC as a whole is tough. I think yeah. that while you have um, in, in the AFC, you have the the Chiefs and the, the Ravens as two of the top, you know, maybe five teams in the league. 
I think when you stack up, stack them up, at least in the top five, top tens, you're going to find more teams on the AFC, on the NFC. So I think that their record, you know, may be one that keeps them out. You, well, not only does your mind, does, does your opinion change with the fact that they have the toughest schedule this year? I mean, again, overall, I think that I until I see a team in the AFC East stop them, I'm going to be one of those people that gives the Patriots reluctantly the benefit yeah. of the doubt. Yeah. Because the, and the other factor is, you know, and again, I'm going to preface it by saying I'm not trying to hate. Tom Brady did not look great the back half of last yeah. season. You know, and so he obviously he's been somebody who's disproved all the logic of an NFL quarterback and being able to play at a high level in his 40s. Yeah. But you expect you don't always expect that to, to continue. Every year we're holding our breath for that to, to for that peak to kind of just finish toppling over. And so yeah. last year towards the end, you didn't see the greatest Tom Brady. So now going into a new team, a new system, even with all those weapons, um, I, was, I don't know what his health is, what his arm strength is at this point of his career. So I think that that's yeah. why I would give the the, um, the Patriots, at least in the regular season, the edge, just because the age of Tom Brady and also a much, much tougher NFC. Because, yes, the division or whatever in the, in the NFC South isn't as tough, but that rest of that, the, the whole conference is pretty damn tough. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my, my only rebuttal to that would be, um, let's remember that they're adding a, another team to the playoffs as well this year as part of their new rules. So they're going to be having an additional team in the playoffs. Right. My only rebuttal to that would be, obviously, as I mentioned, the Patriots have the toughest schedule this year. Whether or not that's the AFC East, we can't just think that because they're in the AFC East, they're going to beat the teams that, that they have to face. Let, let's go back to last year and that last game against the Dolphins, which, had, which would have clinched the second seed for the Patriots, yeah. and the Patriots lost. The Dolphins had Ryan Fitzpatrick leading them, right. and they lost that game. So it isn't always guaranteed that they're going to beat those teams on top of the fact that they have the toughest schedule this year. And with the Patriots, um, the only thing I'll say with Tom Brady is this. Um, he did struggle last year, but we have to be fair. He didn't have a number one option as a receiver. Julian Edelman wasn't healthy. Right. Nikhil Harry was his other best receiver at Mohamed Sanu. They're number two options or number three options. He didn't have a reliable tight end. You wouldn't, I don't think anyone would be able to even name the tight ends that were on their roster last year. Um, so they had James Andrews, who was their center, was out for the, the, the captain of that offensive line, was out the whole season. They were rotating that offensive line every single game. So he was dealing with a lot, and he didn't have his. He didn't have reliable receivers. The Patriots also led the league in drop balls last year in right. the NFL, might I add. So I just think that if he does this year with all the weapons, because he just has a plethora of weapons right now with the Bucs, if he struggles with all these weapons, then I'll be willing to say that, you know what, age caught up to him. Right. He's no longer good. Got He's it. just no longer good. Because just a year prior, he did go to Kansas City and they beat the Kansas City Chiefs, outscored the Kansas City Chiefs right. and Patrick Mahomes. Right. You know what I mean? Whether or not in the Super Bowl they only scored 13 points, he has proven a year or two years before when he won the MVP that he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. 
Last oh, year, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Last year, just to me, was an anomaly because of all the the, the difficult circumstances that he, that the Patriots went through as as a team last year. Well, yeah, I uh, like I said, I don't want to take anything away from him. Yeah, I just think you know that the the end of last season, coupled with a, yet another year, um, you know, and like and more than all those things, I just go back to what I said as far as the NFC just being the tougher uh, conference. Yeah, that'll make it a little harder. But hey, maybe they both make it, and then we can see who makes it further. Hey, listen, you want to make a bet right here? If the Patriots, all right, fine. If the Patriots have a better record. I take you out to eat. The Bucks have a better record. You take me out to eat. All right, we'll game. We'll do that. <laughs> Let's do it. Sounds yeah. good. You heard, it. you heard it. You heard it. Post-corona. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay, so that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. We uh, definitely had a lot of fun talking Patriot Scandal 10.0. Oh, God. And, <laughs> and definitely want to appreciate, uh, you know, your perspective on, you know, the Patriots as a Patriots fan hearing your take on their history, their dynasty, and obviously now toward their future. So we would definitely appreciate, you know, as we always do for you to listen on all the streaming platforms, share, comment, um, you know, and let us know and just keep checking us out even on our social media platforms. Yes, as Victor said, please make sure to comment, share, be a part of the conversation as we always love to say here. This is not about Victor and I. This is about everyone just having a conversation um, so make sure you're a part of it. Um, this is the latest episode of the Pull Up and Chat podcast. I am Juan. I am Victor. Peace out. Peace out.